It's time for another edition of the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM, W-E-L-H. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity... Seize everything you ever wanted One moment Did you capture it? Just let it slip Yo, yo Now that's a sale by Bird Welcome back to the Sports Chumps, episode 46. My name is Mikey Nails, my broadcast partner, the reflection of perfection. Some people call him Timex because he takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Some people call him Panasonic because he's slightly ahead of time, but I like to call him Dean the Dream. Doing Dean the Dream. I'm doing well. How are you, pal? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Episode 46 on 88.1 FM WELH Providence. We've got a special guest tonight in the house. I'm going to let Dean the Dream introduce this very special person we have on air tonight. All right. So, obviously, um, when we want to talk about the 2022 NFL draft, which took place on Thursday night and ran through the weekend. It was a long weekend out in Vegas for everybody, but of course, when we talk about great football minds and people that can break it down like no other, we talk about Dr. Football. Of course, he's the guy who can get it done, break it down, the analysis, and we welcome Dr. Football to the Sports Chumps here on 88.1 FM, WELH Providence. Doc, how you doing today, buddy? Good. How you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. We're doing okay. It's been, it was a long weekend, a lot, a lot to reflect on, a lot to talk about, and um. I mean, we want to jump right into it because, you know, around New England and the area that we're in over here, there's a lot of people that are unhappy uh, once again with another Bill Belichick draft. And, of course, you know, we, we, we talk about this team since Tom Brady left. And right now, you know, like last year, we, you know, getting Mac Jones at 15, it kind of, you know, it seemed like it just he just fell into their lap. They drafted the guy that was there. But, of course, over the years, in the last five or six years, other than last year, seems like a lot of people around this town has been very unhappy with the Patriot drafts, and it looks like that's the case again on, on, on this particular draft here. Well, um, shed some light on it for us. Yeah, well, I think people are going to be unhappy. I mean, anytime you take a guard in the first round, uh, the, the fans aren't going to like that because it's a guard. It's not a sexy position. It's not a skill guy. It's not a, a, an edge rusher. It's not a, a cornerback. It's it's a guy that plays up front. And, and look, at the end of the day, I love what they did in the first round. Training down, you move down eight spots, you pick up the third and the fourth rounder, and you take a player in Cold Strange at 29, who obviously they had pretty high on their board. He had to be in their top 30 for him to, for them to take him. And I think ultimately, they got the player they wanted. Look, Bill Belichick has never drafted for need. That has never been his MO, at least publicly he doesn't say that's his MO, but Guard was a need. They traded Shaq Mason because of cap issues. They lost Ted Karras in free agency. 
They needed to address the position. They liked Cole Strange. 6'4", 307. He fits their scheme. Really athletic. Runs well laterally. He's also a little older at 24. Played five years of college football, so he's he's, he's not going to be a 22-year-old rookie that has limited stats, which matters to the Patriots. So I think ultimately, while they don't publicly come out and say, yes, we draft for need, guard was in need. They moved down. They picked up the two picks. And they added a player that they believe can step in and start for them right away at a position where they had a hole. Well, I agree with you on that because this is definitely a plug-and-play situation. This is not a project. This guy has to be able to contribute to this team right away. And, of course, my concern would be, and Mikey Nails gave me a little flack, was joking about it, saying they drafted a kid from Tennessee, Chattanooga. I say, listen, that's doing your homework. If you can do your due diligence and find the diamond in the rough, I'm fine with that. But do you have a problem with the fact that he was on everybody's board in the 70 range and the Patriots traded down to get him at 29? Does that concern you at all? No, not at all, because what are everybody's boards? Whose boards? Draft experts? Nobody cares about their boards, and let's be honest, that's what this is about. People get hung up on that all the time about, well, he was projecting as projecting according to who. Well, it doesn't matter what the experts think or what people in the media think. At the end of the day, it's where the Patriots had him stacked on their board. That's what matters. And so, as far as I'm concerned, it's the same thing with Tyquan Thornton. Everyone's like, oh, he should have been a fourth-round pick. Well, yeah, according to the experts, but the Patriots obviously liked him enough. They probably had him on the second round in their board. They went up and got him. They traded up four spots, picked him up at 50. And, and if you listen to people around the league, there was a general feeling that he was, he was climbing during the last two weeks prior to the draft, that a lot of teams had him higher on their board than people thought. So... At the end of the day, look, all, all this talk about where the so-called experts, whether it be the Mel Kuypers of the world or the Tom McShane's or the, or the Dane Bruglers or whoever you want to talk about, regardless of where they, they slot these guys, that means nothing. It's where these teams slot these guys. And it's abundantly obvious that the Patriots liked Cole Strange enough. They had him as a top 30 guy on their board. And they had Tyquan Thornton as a top 60 guy on their board. And they took both of them. And so, yes... These might not be picks that the fans will love. They might not be picks that the media will applaud the Patriots for. But at the end of the day, the Patriots added a player in Strange that fills the need. And they had a player in Thornton that while he has his shortcomings in terms of, of what he did in college in their offense at Baylor, he's going to have to prove he can do a lot more here. While he has some shortcomings, he's a 4-2-8 guy. He's 6'3", 208 pounds. He's a guy that gives them something they don't have, which is the big play element. And if they use them the right way, and, and one thing we could say about the Patriots in the Belichick era is that they haven't had a lot of those guys. It, they had Deion Branch in the early part of the dynasty, in the early 2000s, and then they had Randy Moss. But other than Branch and Moss, they haven't really consistently had a guy that can take the top off of coverage. This guy can do that. So they got faster on offense, something that I think was a necessity. Look, whether or not you thought they reached for both of these guys, the bottom line is they both fill needs. No, and you, you listen, you were ahead of the curve on that one because that was my next question to you. As far as Thornton goes, um, I got him at 6'2", you got him at 6'3". I've only got him at 180 here. You got him at two two bills. The, the knock on him, I heard that he wasn't that tough and the guys were going to be able to jam him at the line and he, he it was a strength issue. I like the size at 6'2", whether he's 6'2", or 6'3". I like the longer receiver, but I was, I was told that like the strength was going to be an issue with him. Do you think that's going to be a problem going forward? Well, look, here's the thing. When you look at him, 
he's a guy that didn't break a lot of tackles in college, but when you go back and watch his tape, it wasn't about breaking tackles. The way they used him was they used him vertically on post routes, fade routes, corner routes, deep overs. That's what they used him on. And so that was his game. And he put up big numbers last year, scored 10 touchdowns, had over 900 yards receiving in an offense that featured him in the passing game. Coming here, though, he's going to he's gonna have to be able to run a more diverse route tree in order to play in this offense. Not only that, but he's going to have to learn the route adjustments post-snap because that's what makes this Patriots system so complicated. So he's got a lot of work to do to fit into this system. And my fear is, and, and I've said this all weekend, my fear is, is that they may also not be able to use him the way they should. And I know people are going to say, what is this guy talking about? It's Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time. This guy won six Super Bowls. It's one of the greatest staffs of all time. They'll know how to use him. Yes, but you don't want to spend a second-round pick on a guy that's going to run vertical routes and clear for guys underneath. Get him involved. And so I'd like to see how they're going to do that. Because when you go back and watch his tape at Baylor, he didn't do a lot. He didn't do a lot in the three-step game on perimeter screens and the intermediate passing game. they got to get him involved in those areas, so I'm curious to see what he can do. But there's no question that he gives them something that they haven't had, the big play element, which you need when you're in plus territory or the high red zone or the red zone. So we'll see. The other thing to keep in mind with Thornton is there's a lot of mouths to feed in that receiving core now with Parker and Aguilar and Bourne and, and Myers. they got a lot of guys that they need to get the ball to. I'm not sure there's going to be that many touches for him as a rookie. Yeah, I agree with you on that, uh, Doc. And I, and I, let's, let's face it, Nikhil Harry, they're going to make a decision on Monday. I get I get the feeling it's pink slip city. I think we've seen, well, they, the, they I think seen the last of him. They to pick up his fifth-year option, so that, that tells you all you need to know there. Right, but we've seen these situations with Daniel Jones with the Giants. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option, so he's basically a lame duck quarterback out there next year, still playing on the on the team, but really not a part of the future. But, I mean, we're going to see how that all plays out. You're listening to the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM, WELH Providence. Mikey Nails, Dean the Dream. We've got Dr. Football here breaking down the 2022 NFL Draft. We're moving on, Doc. We're looking at those uh, those middle rounds. Now we're getting into the, the second day of the draft. Your third day, you're looking at rounds three and four. The Patriots decide to go cornerback with a number with the third and fourth round, uh, respectively, with uh, Marcus Jones and Jack Jones, 85 and 121, respectively. Tell us a little bit about these two players. Why Marcus Jones is one of the most explosive players in this draft. He's only about 5'8", 174. But he's a guy that has tremendous closing speed. He can play in man coverage. He's handsy within five yards. He can reroute guys despite his size. And I think he can play in the slot or outside, depending on the situation. But then there's added value with him and what he does in the return game. So he's a guy that they liked a lot. They met with him in the pre-draft process. They spent some time with him. And he's been a player that's been on their radar for a long time. And I think he's a guy that could step in here and eventually be the long-term nickel guy after Jonathan Jones' contract retires. So he's a guy that I think can play an integral role in that secondary. Jack Jones is a guy that has a lot of talent. And the, the problem with Jack Jones is he's on the older side. Uh, he was a five-star recruit out of high school. He had some issues at, when he was at USC academically, and he was supposedly involved in an attempted robbery of a, of a Panda Express. But I mean, if you're going to rob a place, why are you robbing a Panda Express, by the way? Let's talk about that for a second. What are we doing over here? Why don't you go a little more high-end than Panda Express? But anyway, I digress. Uh, but in any event, he then went to community college after he, he flunked out of USC, and then he ended up at Arizona State. And look, he had a nice career the last three years there. And I think 
that pick, I was on the conference call with Matt Rowe on Saturday night, and he talked about the fact that the Patriots spent a lot of time on Jack Jones in the pre-draft process, not just evaluating him as a player, but evaluating the person. So they were very comfortable with taking him despite some of the baggage that he had. But look, if, if he can keep his head on straight, he is exactly what they like at the cornerback position. When you look at the the positional traits of the Patriots, typically at cornerback, you got guys that are five ten to six feet, uh, you know, a buck seventy five to two hundred pounds. He's in that ballpark. Really good in man to man coverage. Really athletic. Has closing speed. Can stay in phase. Can do a lot of things you look for in a corner in man coverage. He does tend to take some chances at times, but from a scheme fit, he's a tremendous fit. And I'll take it a step further. I think he's a guy that when the dust settles and we're looking back at this draft in three years, if he keeps his head on straight, he'll be one of the three best players in this class, in my opinion. Well, that's interesting, uh, Doc, because I'm looking at these two players. Basically, you're saying is Marcus Jones, you like what he can do in the slot, but you look at him more in the special teams game with Gunnar Olszewski being probably headed for the for somewhere else. And now you look yeah, at... He said, he's a, yeah, he signed with Pittsburgh. Yeah, so he's history. So, so we've moved on from him. And of course, with Jack Jones at 5'11", 175, he looks like right now, I believe the Patriots feel like they got a hit on this pick because you grab him, you got to replace Gilmore and J.C. Jackson. They got to at least have a starting corner out of those two guys to go on the other side of what? I guess it's Jalen Mills on the other corner. So you got to figure you get one, one out of two of those guys to be a starter for you. You agree? Well, I think the thing with the two of them is there's not going to be as much of an expectation on them to contribute this year just because you re-signed Malcolm Butler. They did sign Jabril Peppers, who can play in the slot in some of their three safety packages. So these two guys aren't necessarily going to be expected to step right in and contribute right away, per se. But I do think that there is a long-term view here, and the expectation is is that you hope you get your, your starting slot nickel corner in Marcus Jones, and you hope you get a starting outside corner, whether it be boundary or field corner, in Jack Jones. So uh, I'm not, I don't necessarily think there'll be that much pressure on them this year, especially Marcus Jones. Jack Jones, I think, it might have to play for them more this year. But if Malcolm Butler proves that he could still play at a high enough level in this system, you can kind of give those guys a couple of years to get their feet wet before they really have to make an impact for you. Dr. Football, uh, before we wrap this segment up, <clears throat> I just want to let the listeners know about your website. Uh, Dr. Football's website is called nefootballjournal.com. All our listeners, please go check that out. Uh, it's a very, very, very direct uh, website about professional football. Um, any other words, Dream and Dr. Football, that you guys want to uh, talk about? Well, yeah, because obviously I'm, I'm still in the heart of this thing here. I want to know what, what the doc thinks about the fact that the Pats in the fourth round, and I have no problem with them improving their their quarterback room. Did, did I want to know if the doc had a problem with them drafting um, Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zapp with the, uh, in the fourth round at pick 137. Do you think that's just to improve the quarterback room, or do you think maybe this kid can play a little bit in case Mac Jones were to go down? Well, I'm not a Bailey Zappy guy, but I will say this. I, two things. One, I didn't love the pick. For one, when you take him in the fourth round, you take him at pick 137, you were at a place there where you could still take a player that can help you somewhere else. Now, look, going into this draft, I think a lot of people thought, well, they need to go linebacker. They're a little thin there. They won. They cut Van Noy. They didn't resign Hightower. They, they did, you know, there are a lot of people that felt they might not have enough there. The reality is they did have enough there. 
And, and so that's part of the reason why they stayed away from linebacker, because they did resign Jawan Bentley. They have Cameron McGrone and Raekwon McMillan, who are both coming back off injury. You also have Mac Wilson, who they acquired from Cleveland for Chase Winovich. And you also have Ronnie Perkins, who's coming back. He didn't play last year as a rookie. He redshirted McGrone, Perkins. It's in essence as if you drafted them this year. So you're going to get those guys back. So they got bodies there. But when I look at this pick, for me, that's an area where you could have improved this football team somewhere else. Now, again, going back to the post game, uh, the post draft press conference, rather, by player personnel director Mac Rowe on Saturday night, he raved about Zappy. They loved him. They loved his competitiveness. They loved the way he takes care of the ball, his accuracy, his production, his leadership. He checks off a lot of boxes for them. In my opinion, I think they drafted him to be the backup to Mac Jones. I think he's eventually going to be the backup. I, they're going to move on from Sid the Kid. It's over for him here. Brian Hoyer probably does one more year, and then he rides off into the sunset. He helps Mac continue to develop. He gets Bailey Zappi to a place where he can back him up. And I think their plan for him is to be the long-term backup here. Now, the thing you have to keep in mind is it's like Andy Reid says. You can never have enough good quarterbacks in your building because you can develop them, and then they could be a potential trade ship down the road. I didn't like the pick per se where it was, especially because I also don't love Zappi. I mean, I, I think he put up monster numbers at Houston Baptist and Western Kentucky. But then again, who doesn't this day and age in the spread? He put up monster numbers in those offenses, but I don't, I don't see the physical tools there. There were other quarterbacks there like Sam Howell that have better physical tools that they could have taken. But they took him. They like him. He's a system fit. So... To me, I think they drafted him with the intention for him to be the long-term backup eventually. That's interesting. Um, Real quick, before we put the Patriot talk to bed here, rounds four and six, the Pats go running back. I mean, of course, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris still there. you got James White coming back. He's more of a scat back. J.J. Taylor hanging on for dear life, the five foot six kid out of Arizona. But the Pats decide to go round four and six with running backs P.S. Strong out of South Dakota State and running back Kevin Harris out of South Carolina. Which one of those two do you see more upside with on those two guys? That's uh, Pierre Strong. Well, he doesn't have a lot in, in space. He's more of a straight line guy. Pierre Strong's a nice compliment to what they have there now. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And I think he's going to get some meaningful touches for them this season. Kevin Harris, to me, is a guy that's going to be more in their plans down the road. I think that they could possibly practice squad him this year. Look, this is classic Belichick. A lot of people are sitting here saying, why would you draft two running backs when running back is one of the deepest positions on your team? That's a great point, except you have to remember, Harris is up after next year. If he has another good year, he's going to hit the market and he's probably going to price himself out of New England. And if that happens, they are now well-positioned with Ramondre Stevenson, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris. They've got enough depth there now where if Harris does leave when his contract is up, they have the guys in place to replace him. So Belichick has always done a great job of what I call drafting ahead. He always thinks about a year or two down the road in certain positions, and he drafts ahead so that he has players in place to replace players if they depart in free agency. That, that's what this is about, in my opinion. But again, Pierre Strong is a guy that could give them a nice change of pace, and he can also give them a guy that has a fourth and a fifth gear and can separate and score. So it gives them a little bit of a big play element out of the backfield as well. You're listening to the Sports Jumps with Mikey Nails, Dean the Dream, and Dr. Football. We're talking about the 2022 NFL Draft. Um, 
Doc, I mean, obviously we're going to wrap it up a little bit with uh, some general conversation about that first round. But um, before we do so, Mikey Nils has something he wants to throw your way uh, real quick. So, Dr. Football, I have this uh, conversation with Dean uh, all the time. And uh, my... God bless you, by the way, for having conversations. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> That's no our comment. core. All right. So, my, my, my thing is um, the Bill Belichick tenure, when is it coming to an end? Do you see it coming to an end only... To the, for the fact that a lot of the younger players that are coming in, they don't seem to be taking to him as well as he's coaching. Do you see it coming to an end anytime soon? Well, it'll, obviously it'll come to an end at some point, but I think he's he's done enough here that he's earned the right for it to end when he's ready. Um, I know that some Patriot fans aren't going to want to hear that. I know there's a lot of frustration because Patriot fans are spoiled and the expectation every year is Super Bowl or bust. But the reality is, if you're Robert Kraft, you, you, you don't fire Bill Belichick. Not unless this thing takes on so much water that you don't have a choice and the ship is sunk. So, in my estimation, you let him go as long as he wants to. And, look, he just turned 70 last month. I think he wants to coach another four or five years. I really believe that. I think he wants to coach into his mid-70s. And, obviously, he's in pursuit of Don Shula. He wants to, to surpass him for most wins all time. And I think he's going to have the opportunity to do that. And to be honest with you, I think he's earned the opportunity to do that. Look, last year they went 10-8. and eight. Yeah, they got whitewashed up at Buffalo in the wild card round of the playoffs. But one of his best coaching jobs in the last 22 years, in my opinion, was that 2020 COVID season. You, know, you go back and look at that season, they go 7-9. and nine, But they, beat, they had some quality wins that year, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Cardinals. They had some quality wins that year, and they were competitive without a starting quarterback. And that was a pretty good job. I mean, Cam Newton did the best he can, but he was limited. I thought that was one of his better coaching jobs the last 22 years. So to answer your question, Mike, I don't I don't foresee him stepping away anytime soon. He's, he's a junkie. He's a gym rat. He loves the game. He, he still loves going to work every day. And I think as long as that's there, he's going to coach as long as he wants to. I can't see a scenario where the Crafts fire him. I think that they're going to let him go until he doesn't want to go anymore. Solid answer. I appreciate uh, talking to you tonight. I just want to mention your website one more time. Please let me know if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, Dr. Football's website is nefootballjournal.com. All listeners, please check that out. Yeah, it's New England Football Journal. And just to kind of give you guys a quick idea of what we're all about, so we cover the Patriots, we cover the Division One programs in New England. We're credentialed with the Patriots. We're credentialed with all the D1 colleges. So for you Rhode Islanders out there, we cover URI, we cover Brown, we cover Brian. We've got great relationships with those staffs. We're there all the time. And then we also cover high school football in New England. Primary focus on Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. But we cover the entire region in high school football as well. So if you're a football junkie and we're year-round, you're going to love our website, especially if you love New England football. That's great stuff there, Greek. Um, real quick, I just want to talk about a couple of players from the uh, from the draft the other night, not related to the Patriots. Of course, you and I joked off off air about the kid Kenny Pickett. This sounds to me like the story that's supposed to be. The kid who plays at Pitt gets drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, 6'3", 220 pounds. The kid, 42 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and he led the Pitt Panthers to an 11-2 record last year. This seems like the natural fit with the 20th pick and the incumbent and the guy that looks like he could replace Ben Roethlisberger. What do you think of Pickett, despite the fact that, you know, the, the experts with the nitpicking, with the small hands and all that, and he's put the ball on the ground 27 times. What do you think of Pickett? 
Well, I think it's going to be all about how they handle them. Look, this quarterback class, from from a talent standpoint, was not very good. And, and obviously, when you saw where the quarterbacks went in this class, it, it, it solidified a lot of what we thought about this class. I thought Pickett was the best of a mediocre lot. Uh, I didn't buy the Malik Willis hype. I know everybody loves arm strength and big-time throws, but there's a lot more to the position than that. I've coached it for years. I can tell you there's a lot more than just being able to throw the football 60 yards down the field. The thing with with Pickett is the hand size thing is a real concern. You mentioned how many times you put the ball on the turf. But here's the thing. It's all about how you handle it. I don't think he should start for them right away. There's going to be pressure for him to play right away, especially because he's a little older. But if they handle him the right way, I wouldn't play him this season. If you can get by and contend with Mitchell Trubisky or Mason Rudolph as your quarterbacks, fine. I would give him a year to ease into it and to grow and develop. He's got a really nice skill group to work with there. They've got a nice group of receivers. you got Najee Harrison running back, Tim Fryermuth, Massachusetts get a tight end. They've got some pieces there. But if you throw him to the wolves right away and, and you make him play right away, even if he has a great summer and a great preseason, if you just throw him out there week one and expect him to play at a high level as a rookie, it's not going to happen now. From a cerebral mental standpoint, I see a lot of Mac Jones in his game. I think he's got some better physical tools in some area of his game than Mac. He's more mobile. He's more athletic. I think Mac's more accurate. But I think if they give him the time to develop, he's going to be fine. Do I think they're going to do that? No. I think if if they come out of the gate struggling, he's going to play next season. And if he plays, then you know they're probably a 500, maybe a 10-8 and eight wild card team. But it's all about how they handle him early. Now, here's the thing. You guys know this. There's pressure on these on these coaches to play young quarterbacks sooner than ever now. So if he comes out and has a great camp and plays well in the preseason, he's probably going to be the starter. But if you can avoid that if I were them, I would. I think it would help him in terms of his long-term development. Now, of course, uh, Doc, I come out I come out with him at 20 because this was not a quarterback draft. Usually we're talking about guys in the top three or four picks. We didn't see a quarterback go for a while. Of course, Kenny Pickett at 20, that's the guy we're talking about here. But let's just really quick, I want to wrap this up here, but those, those first couple of picks at the top of the draft, we heard the rumors about Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end from Michigan, going number one for a couple of months. And then he got, jumped, he got leapfrogged by Trayvon Walker, the defensive end out of Georgia. Talk a little bit about that. And I mean, I, I, you know, I'm always against the, the Lions feeling like they're always going to be the team that no matter what they do, it's going to blow up in their face. But for them to get uh, Hutchinson at two, kind of slip to them, and grab Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama, albeit he has the torn ACL, I think the Lions did some nice things in this in this first round. What do you think about that? Yeah, they did. And I think they're on the right track. I think that they're, they're on track to get back to a point where they can contend in that division and contend for a playoff spot. Look, they got the best player in the draft, in my opinion, in Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, and a lot of people have comped him to this guy, but he, he's Chris Long, a guy who's going to play 8 to 12 years, be a solid pro, be a guy that can get you 8 to 12 stacks a year, and be a team leader and be the face of your defense, and in many ways be the face of your franchise, like Long was in St. Louis with the Rams. Now, as far as Jacksonville taking Trayvon Walker, that to me is Trent Baalke, their GM, totally buying into upside. And, and Trayvon Walker, when you look at his size, 6'5", 275, the explosiveness, the versatility, he can play a five-tech, he can kick inside to a three-technique or a shake, he can do a lot of different things. But when you look at his career in Georgia, fellas, the production was not there. 
So it's a gamble by Jacksonville. You pass up on the possibility of taking an, an offensive lineman where you can protect your franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and you pass up on the possibility of taking a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who could be where Trevor Lawrence is on your offense. He could be the face and the leader of your defense. And and I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to produce a lot sooner than Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker has more upside than Aiden Hutchinson, but for a franchise that's clamoring to, to contend and get back to the playoffs, I can't believe they passed up on a guy like Hutchinson, who's a surefire producer as a rookie, over a guy, Trayvon Walker, who could produce and at his best could be Miles Garrett. But as we well know, just because he projects as that doesn't mean he will become that. So I was surprised that they passed on Hutchinson just because, like I said, I feel he could come in and give them immediate production. But it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's what they do. But the beneficiary of all that was the Detroit Lions. They had a really good draft. The Lions are coming. They're, they're going to turn it around. I don't see it this year. I, th- I could see them winning six or seven games this year, maybe going seven and ten. But I do think in 2023 they could be a potential playoff team. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And nobody breaks it down like Dr. Football from NewEnglandFootballJournal.com. Check out all of his stuff. It's interesting. They, they follow Brown, Bryant, local teams, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Of course, credentials for the Patriots. Nobody gets it done like Dr. Football. We appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for joining us. We'll hope to have you in the future. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Anytime you want to do this again, let's... Uh... Let's line it up and do it again. It's always good talking to you, Dean. It's been too long, my friend. And uh, Mike, it's nice to meet you. Nice to work with you guys. And uh, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for calling in tonight. We really appreciate it. All right. Anytime, fellas. All right. Have, have a good, good night. Thank you. Stuff. Later, Doc. Yeah, All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You are listening to uh, the Sports Chumps, episode 46 on 88.1 FM WELH Province. My name is Mikey Nails. My broadcast partner is Dean the Dream. We just had Dr. Football on. Uh, we did do a little NFL draft talk. Now we're going to jump right into the NBA playoffs. Celtics, tonight Tonight is Tuesday. The show is going to be on Thursday. So the listeners on ELH, this is, tu- this is Tuesday night's uh, Celtic basketball game. The Boston Celtics beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe the score was 109-86. I believe uh, Jalen Brown had how many points did Jalen Brown have? He had a thirty spot, Michael. Uh, Twenty five in the first half. He you know obviously cooled off a little in the second half, but finished with thirty. But by the twenty five he had in the first half, catapulted this team to the victory. They didn't need much from him in the second half. As Giannis went on his run in the second half, it wasn't enough. Greek Freak had twenty eight. JB had thirty. Correct. Dean, the dream is correct. Um, I think this, the series is tied up. No Marcus. No Marcus Smart. It's a nice win. Series is tied up. It's a solid win. It builds their confidence, and it just shows that I have, I mean, me personally, I have the Bucks winning it all. It you just did. It just you shows did. that the Greek freak is, he can be beat. Well, and, and what I was what I was surprised tonight was to see what Yudoka was going to do with the rotations. Now, you lost Smart tonight, so you figured, who's going to be the guy that's going to step up and play more minutes, or who's going to be somebody that hasn't played? Is it going to be an Aaron Neesmith, somebody off the bench that we'd see more of? It was the total opposite. I was thrown for a loop here, as Daniel Tice, who's been a contributor on this team, he didn't even play in this game, I don't believe. So you had Tice not sniff it. They went with smaller rotations. That means everybody played more minutes. Grant Williams was a revelation in Game 2. Unbelievable after the 
the 101-89 loss on Sunday, where you said the aforementioned Jalen Brown scored 12 points. Yeah. He comes Not back a with good 30 in game two, and the Celtics roll in this game without Marcus Smart. Obviously, with the with the thigh contusion, they do need to get him back for game three as they go to Milwaukee now to play a couple of tough games on the road. All right, we're going to do a quick rundown of the uh, NBA playoffs. Obviously, you heard about the Bucks and Celtics tonight. Bucks Celtics Sunday night. Bucks one on one. Celtics eighty nine was not a good game for the Celtics. They did not look good. I don't know if they were coming off the actual uh, win with um, um, Brooklyn and they rested a little too much and their rhythm got out of sync. But it seems like tonight that the rhythm was back in sync. But Sunday's game was a loss for the Celtics one on one eighty nine. Yeah, Thoughts. so of course, I, I, at this point, Nails, I believe that your Bucks that you've picked to win it all, they got what they wanted in this series because they, they they obviously get smoked on Tuesday night, but they get their split because now they have the home court now because they got their, their one game that they wanted on the road. So the Celtics are going to have to prove that they've been the best team in the NBA the last three months and that they can go on the road and win a game in Milwaukee because they're going to have to win a game somewhere on the road to win this series. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I believe they've done a great job despite the fact that Giannis has got his numbers Antetokounmpo has been great, but he's struggled for his numbers. His shooting percentages have not been great in these first two games. And the Celtics are throwing a, diff- a bunch of different guys at him. Grant Williams defensively. Nobody can go through him, over him. He's been a defensive stopper for the Celtics off the bench, playing almost starter minutes now. Uh, tonight, Tuesday, I want to give it up to Yudoka. Uh, he, the way he coached the defense against the Greek freak, uh, he seems like he pushed everything right, and then they just, all of a sudden, they just converged on him, and he was not doing his thing. Yeah. He did get his 28 points, but that is low for the Greek freak in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, so they contained him a little bit. They did, and I thought, obviously, Jalen Brown was money early in the game. He's had a lot of these games during the season where it seems like in the first quarter, he's good for double digits. And everybody says, well, if he's a great first quarter scorer, how come he's not a good fourth quarter scorer? And I say, well, you know what? When you get a team out to a jump like that, that's important. It sets the whole the tone for the entire entire game and that's what he did tonight with I believe 25 points in the first half as the Celtics roll in this game and win by double digits a a well-needed win we have a series here it's going to be great to see this going forward my uh, nails to be honest you I can't understand why on a Tuesday night you play game two and they don't play until Saturday again so don't ask me why they don't play for another five date four days I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say this that in order to win this series they need to win more than one game in Milwaukee they can't just win one and expect Well, so then you're obviously thinking that they're going to lose another game in Boston. Yeah, yeah this, I mean, this, listen, to. we're going to find out how this series goes. It's still early. It's 1-1. Now you got a best out of five. That's, that's what it comes down to. Who's going to win three out of five? And I believe the Celtics have been the best team in the league for the last three months, and I still believe in in, in the system that Udoka has uh, in, implanted, implemented with Derek White coming off the bench, struggling with his shot, but doing a lot of things defensively, and I think it starts on the defensive end, and Jason Tatum still hasn't had that breakout monster game in the first two games. We're jumping all around today. I'm going back to Sunday. Uh, I want to talk about the other playoff game. The Warriors 117, the Grizzlies one. 16. Yeah, so Jai Moran had a chance to win this game at the buzzer with a layup going left. They de- denied him the ball with four seconds left, made him catch the ball in the backcourt, but of course he got a little bit of a of a head of steam going, heading to the basket and couldn't make the layup to end the game. And Steph Curry and uh, the Warriors get out in this game with a well-needed win in game one on the road, despite the fact that Draymond Green decides to be a selfish, I can't even say it on ELH, 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 but Draymond Green continues to do the selfish thing, gets a couple of technicals in the second quarter and gets tossed from this game. Moving up to Monday, Heat 106, Sixes 
92. They're going to blame this whole series on on Embiid being hurt. It's, I can see. Yeah. It. Now they're you, saying you he, said that. He, yeah. They're saying he's improving. He's got the orbital thing going on. He had the thumb thing going on with his uh, injury with the thumb. So it's one thing after another for him. James Harden can't carry a team anymore. He's not the no. same guy. He's lost a step. If they don't get Embiid back quick, um, Adebayo and and Jimmy Butler, they're going to be moving on. This isn't even going to be a series until unless they get Embiid back really really quick. James James Harden's turned into a has been. Yeah. I agree with you. And this is, and to be honest, even when he had his step, usually in the playoffs he wilted anyways. Now I think he's lost a step, which is going to make it even more difficult for him to get the job done. Uh, Suns, 121, Mavericks, 114. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this about Chris Paul. I'm very dis- He's playing well. Yeah. He's, he, he has to play well. This is his last year to prove he needs to, to prove that he can win an NBA championship. I am going to go out, though, and say he did have a very swill move against... Um, Jose Alvarado. Yes. Very swill move. Didn't like it. I don't Didn't like, like that. Was that was obviously was the Bush series league. before. And, you know, you and I thought about chump of the week, but it was a play. It was a little dirty. He got away with it. They called the, you know, they didn't even call a foul on that play, I don't think. Nah. It was clearly that he, he elbowed the guy to the chin. The kid's a rookie. He got under his skin a little bit. So CP3 was a little frustrated, but he comes out in game one, scores 19. Uh, Devin Booker playing with that bat, that, that strained hamstring with 23. DeAndre Ayton with 25. And, of course, they would stand a run by Luka Doncic, who had th- um, who had 45 points in this game. He's averaging 33.4 in the postseason in his career. He's doing everything he can. He needs help from his supporting cast, which has been there in, in, in the first series, as Jalen Brunson averaged 27 points a game in the first series, but he's definitely uh, struggled in, in game one versus Phoenix. Uh, himself and Spencer Dinwiddie didn't get the job done. They were lucky to get a few threes from the kid Maxi Kleber, who hit five threes in the first half, stretching the floor. They need more. They need it from everybody to, to even have a chance against Phoenix, who, who's been the best team in the league the last two years. That's a wrap with the NFL playoffs uh, up until Tuesday. NBA? I'm, I'm sorry, that's a it's wrap okay. with the NBA playoffs. You had NFL on your brain because we had Dr. Football yes, on. Yes, I did. The legendary Dr. Football. He did. <laughs> we had a lot going on there. Moving on. The We're going to move on to the MLB. Um, Tuesday night, the Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Angels. They're pulling themselves out of the swill slump that they're in. So let's give it up for the Sox. One game at a time, they're going to climb back into this. Yeah, you know what, Nails? After a after a three and seven, I think it was a three and seven road trip. It was it was gross. It was awful. It was tough to watch. Obviously, losing two out of three in Tampa. They head over to uh, to the Rogers Center with some guys not vaccinated. Tanner How couldn't pitch. They still lose three out of four to Toronto. They head over to Baltimore, and I, I listened to a podcast from about eight months ago where I called Baltimore a Triple A team. You gave me a little flack for it. You laughed, but here we are a year later and they're still a triple-A team, and Boston lost two out of three to the Orioles. So that was an awful way to end the road trip before you head home to Fenway. But let's give them a little do. They come home against Noah Syndergaard on Tuesday night, and they win 3 nothing behind five and two-thirds scoreless innings from Michael Waka, 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 Waka. So how's, your nice boy, how's your boy Story doing? Story's been awful. He got he, a, he I, got I, a I'm gonna keep saying this to you every. I'm gonna keep saying this to you every. <laughs> Why I didn't jump when they signed him? Did I'm I? gonna keep saying this to you every episode. <laughs> yeah. How much does he make? Six for one forty. 
So so tonight, when it was 2-0 in the 8th, I believe he got a nice sack fly. He hit a ball nice to center. I'm reaching here for a sack fly. I'm begging. We're 20, what, 10 and 30. We're 23 games in, and he hasn't had a dinger yet. No. So this guy came out of Colorado where he used to hit 30 every year. You should year. go back to Colorado. I told you it was the air. He used to hit home runs because of the air. Yeah. The altitude, the whole nine. Yeah, he's, but, um, he's, got, he's got air between his ears. Raphael Devis hits his fifth homer of the season in this game tonight, and obviously hits one off the, the wall and center off Thor. They call him Thor because he's got the long hair. Noah Syndergaard. But the um, the Angels are much improved this season under Joe Madden. And, of course, uh, Shohei Otani DH'd in this game. But he's supposed to pitch against the Red Sox in this series. But it looks like he won't because he's dealing with a little bit of a leg injury. So they're kind of like they're kind of babying him a little. And what have I told you? Be careful with that guy because you're going to lose him. You can't have him pitching and hitting all Just the time. Just make him a DH. Stop it. Just let him hit. Just yeah, let him stop. hit. But, obviously, you know, I know you mentioned it during the week. The, the Yankees red hot coming into Tuesday. Yeah, they won 10 straight, and they just beaten everybody right now, so it's tough. The Red Sox are already eight games out, tw- not even 25 games into the season. It's going to be tough to crawl out of that hole. And um, obviously, I've seen a lot of things, Michael, that I've liked. We talked about Avaldi last week. You mentioned the home run ball. He threw a gem the other night, and the, the bullpen gave it up. But I've seen a couple of things from the Red Sox that have just really, really upset me. Where it's like in that Baltimore series, I saw a, a, a scenario where where um, Christian Vasquez is on second base with two outs in an inning, and um, kid gets a base hit to center. The kid Jalen Davis, they just picked him up off uh, off waivers from in a little trade with the San Francisco Giants. Gets a base hit to center field, and you see Christian Vasquez going back to second base yeah. instead of getting a good read and scoring on the play. He only gets to third base because he's going back. Should have been home. Now he gets a double in that inning with two outs. So at some point you have to know that there's two outs in the inning. Why are you going back? to the bag and not running home. Now, of course, Boston's struggling to score runs at this time right now. I'm just trying to throw one play at you. I know it's a combination of mm-hmm. lack of pitching and hitting it. and situational stuff, but this is this is mental stuff now. When you don't do the little things, this is why you lose a game 2-1 to one instead of winning the game 2-1. to one. And what happens in the 10th inning? Sawamura uh, with first and second fields a bunt and Ian mails it down the left field line over Devis' head and the Red Sox lose another tough game. And of course, it, it they're snowballs They're losing on just Sunday. nonsense pl- uh, errors in place. Yeah, they're just not. They're just not playing. Not, and, they're not, and that's not an Alex Cora baseball team. And I'm still, you know, I'm a huge Cora guy. Yeah. But I just think that, like right now, even though it's early in the season, I am concerned because they're they're falling really behind the pack. They get into double digits in the law lo- in the loss column. They're going to be in trouble. You see them tossing. You see Cora gone. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I'm still an Alex Cora guy all the way. I just don't think they're responding right now. And I think that maybe there's a little something going on with the whole thing with Bogots. Even though he's hitting, three, I mean, even uh, Bogots is hitting uh, 369. He's playing great. I think that Bogots is looking to opt out at the end of the year. And Devers, I've heard rumors that he wants to be a Yankee. He wants a certain amount of money. So I think there's some things going uh, on. Devers needs to calm down. Yeah, I think there's some things going on with some guys internally, and I think it's affecting their play on the field. So you think there's problems in the locker room? Yeah, and that's what I think Cora is good at, is, is monitoring that and keeping that together. So let's see how it all plays out. How long has Devers been in the league? It's his like he came up. He came up at nineteen, so he's like uh, he's in his fourth or fifth year. No, so still, stop. I know, but he's he, he knows he's thirty and a hundred every year, and he's playing a great third base this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. But early in the season, I'm not liking the returns on this ball club. All right. All right. Mikey Nails is flexing late late innings here on the chumps. We had Doctor Football on. Getting it done, talking about the 2022 NFL Draft. We still got a lot to talk about. You can pick up Doc's stuff on NewEnglandFootballJournal.com. There's nobody better than him breaking it down. But uh, we still got a couple of segments to, to nail before we get out of here. You are listening to the Sports Chumps at 88.1 FM WELH Providence. You could check out all of our podcasts up on our website. 
number 46 will be up by Friday. The website is thesportschumps.com. Just click on the Spotify link, and all of our podcasts are up there. Or you can go to iHeartMedia and search for our podcast. You can email Mike or Dean with any questions, concerns, or comments at thesportschumps at gmail.com. Feel free to call in. You have 15 minutes left. Sports Chumps phone number 401-895-9791. Moving on. Before we do move on, this is episode 46. I have no players worthy enough to mention. I know you must have some kind of baseball lingo going on. Well, what came up when you Googled it? Did you? I didn't Google it because right, yeah. I just off the top no, of my head, I don't awful, know It's awful. It's an awful number. So obviously we wish we did this a little bit earlier in our history here with the chumps. Now obviously it'll stop picking up again when you get into the 50s because you're talking football players and linebackers. You get into the 80s, you got wide receivers. So it's going to get better. But right now we're in a little bit of a lull here with number 46. Episode 46, and this is all I came up with, Mikey. So, of course, we talked about it two weeks ago where you mentioned Andy Pettit. He actually did wear 46 for the Yankees throughout his career. So Andy Pettit's the best 46 that I can come up with. All right, it's slim pickings here. But another Yankee came up in 1983, and I got it on his rookie baseball card, but Don Mattingly came up as a left fielder first baseman for the Yankees, and he wore 46 his rookie year, switched over to 23, a more desired number, and the rest is history for Donnie Baseball. So you've got Mattingly at 46, Andy Pettit, and I'm going to throw one name at Red Sox, Red Sox Nation here that they would remember. You may not remember. This guy was total swill, but it was John Wasden, and he was nicknamed way back Wasden because he gave up bombs left and right. The Red Sox actually traded, got him in a trade for Jose Canseco when they traded Canseco back to the Oakland Athletics. They got way back Wasden, who actually had a good arm. He threw hard, but I mean, he gave up bombs like at a, at a rapid pace. He was giving them up like it was his job, which it was his job. How's but, Jose doing these days? Um, well, he's the guy that kind of outed everybody on the steroids, <laughs> I mean, but he wasn't lying. Don't go uh, rob a bank with Jose Canseco, whatever you do. All right, Mikey Nails throwing it at Jose Canseco. He gave everybody up. He's sang like a canary. Late innings here on the Chumps. Episode 26. We are getting it done. Continuing to build the brand here. Mikey Nails, Dean the Dream, Jose Canseco. He had the twin brother, Ozzy Canseco, who had a little <laughs> cup of coffee with the A's also. But John Wayback Wazen was absolutely awful pitching for the Bosakas after the trade for Jose Canseco. So that's all I got on 46, Nails. Let's All right, up, uh, let's move up to the NHL as we speak right now. Uh, I'm looking at ESPN, and I don't know if we have any uh, Penguins fans out there or Ranger fans, but it's the end of OT, and it's 3-3 on a Tuesday night, round one in the Eastern first round NHL hockey playoff game. Just, and just I'll thought I'd throw that out there. And I'm glad you did, my Nails, because there's nothing better than NHL playoffs. It's got a different feel to it. Unfortunately, as a Bruin fan, to watch that game last night at, with, with Carolina, who, was, who we knew was going to be a tough draw for the Bees, to see the, the Bruins go out there against the number two goalie for Carolina and the Bruins get totally shut down. Taylor Hall's the only guy who could light the lamp. The Bruins had more shots on gold. Linus Allmark, I wouldn't even blame him in this game. There was just too much pressure on him. And the Bees lose this game 5-1. It really wasn't close at all. And a couple of late goals made it look worse than it really was. But the Bruins were really actually never in this game. And uh, they're down uh, 0-1 going into a, a game on Wednesday night. It's going to be difficult. I'm not sure if anybody watched the Tampa Bay Lightning game last night. But there was a, uh, a brawl, big brawl. And one of the uh, players got split from... 
the forehead down to the nose, and it was not a good scene. I just figured I'd, throw it, I just figured I'd throw it out there for all That's the aggressive. all the hockey players that are listening to the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM. I'm, I apologize w. if I laughed. What did you say? He got, his, he got split from his self? He got what? split from his head to his nose. That's aggressive. Forehead split. Well, they showed it all over TV. I mean, it was a bond burner. Wow. They were just throwing haymakers. They couldn't, the refs couldn't stop. It was just out of control. So that was the Maple Leafs and Lightning? Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, I, I, Lightning, they've won a couple. I think they won back-to-back cups. They're the team that beat every year. Maple Leafs, they got the kid Austin Matthews, who had over 50 goals this year. So they're, they're, they're definitely a team that everybody says they can get a, get to the uh, they can get to the madness, but they can never win in the postseason. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the playoffs play out. And, of course, the, the Bruins have to play better in game two if they're even going to have a chance too many turnovers in their own end they were 0, 0 for 3 on the power play this game was just it was it was never uh it was never really a contest all right uh we're off and moving on to one of our favorite topics the chump of the week we had a little decision to make between uh two people and i threw something toward dreams way and he decided to go with this one i always go with Dean's decision on the chump because I trust it. And the chump of the week is Ryan Tannenhill. He 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 went on um he went on to say that uh about his future about I'm sorry, about the future quarterback that could possibly take his spot. He went on to say, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but if he learns from me along the way, that's a great thing. Now as a professional quarterback who hasn't really done much in the NFL but thinks that he has, for him to say something like that toward a rookie, it's unacceptable. Yeah, and that's what happens when you make millionaires out of these guys and make them better than they are and put them up on a pedestal. But Ryan Tannehill, who I, I actually defended for a while, and I know you were against Vrabel last year, but I'm a big – I was a – I wasn't never a big Tannehill guy, but I believe that like when he came over from Miami, he stunk in Miami on ice for years, and I and I gave him the pass because I said, well, it's Miami, and everybody goes to Miami and everybody stinks. So when he was reborn in t- in Tennessee, I thought under the tutelage of Mike Vrabel, and I thought he was a nice player. They gave him that huge extension, and then last year after getting the bye, getting Derrick Henry back for the playoffs, they come out of a bye and they lose to the Bengals, and he was awful in that game. I believe he threw three picks, including one with 20 seconds left that that gave the Bengals the win pretty much he, he put it right in their lap so I'm, I'm just like for, for a guy to talk right now you're not good enough to talk about not wanting to be a mentor you just there's no need to even say anything there if you're smart and you got class you say all the right things there and you, you you know you say whatever you have to say for the media just to put this thing to rest but right now he looks like like a classless guy that's just thinking about looking over his shoulder I hope Malik Willis uh, takes into consideration what he said and by the beginning of the season I hope Ryan Tannenhill is holding a clipboard. Well, it's obviously this kid Willis is is gonna it's gonna be the other way around. Tannehill's still the guy there. I just I I'm not rooting for him at this point. And this kid Willis is supposed to have a pretty good arm. We're gonna see how it all plays out. I don't think it'll be this season. But you know what? Injuries can happen, and then you know you never know who's gonna be Called playing. Karma. Yeah, you never know what's gonna happen. But Tannehill is, is is in no position to be talking about not wanting to mentor a guy. This is sort of the the uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers thing from years ago, and it this could be the Brady Garoppolo thing from eight years ago. Brady wasn't happy about that draft pick. But you know what? 
just worry about yourself. Do your job. And you know what? Be a good teammate. Because if you're good in the locker room, that's like you said, you create good karma. You're talking about bad karma here. So chump of the week definitely goes to Ryan Tannehill, who couldn't get it done after being the number one seed in the 2021 NFL playoffs last year. So you know what? Look at yourself in the mirror first. Dream, who's the runner-up for uh, chump of the week? Oh, so obviously I had I had it as DeAndre Hopkins because he got popped for uh, for PEDs. And um, I, I like some of the things he said because he apologized to his teammates and his family and all this stuff, and I'm sorry. But then he said, he goes, I have no idea. I'm a holistic guy. I have yeah, no idea. Holistic. I have no idea how this how this stuff got into my body, but obviously yeah. something went wrong. I'm very careful. So I, um, Ryan Tan- uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is my runner-up for Chump of the Week. He doesn't know how he took the PED. No, he's, uh, I just don't know how it got in my yeah. body, but, I, but, but I'm going to do a hardcore investigation, and I'm going to keep you posted on that. Awesome. So um, we'll be waiting to hear that, but he gets a six game suspension and we wonder how this affects the Arizona Cardinals he was hurt at the end of last season I believe he only played 10 games so of course with uh with Kyla Murray already not being happy there there could be some dissension there in that uh that Arizona Cardinal uh, locker room moving on this day in sports history Okay, so um, on May 5th, Michael, 1936. I know you told me to keep it from 70 on when we were born, but I went old school here. 1936, May 5th, Jolton Joe, Joe DiMaggio, makes his major league debut for the New York Yankees and gets three hits. The history with Joe D, 361 home runs for his career, a 325 batting average for his career. He played from 36 to 51. In his 13-year career, he made the All-Star team 13 times and won nine World Series rings with the New York Yankees. He was the three-time MVP. And of course, I just threw out a plethora of stats, a bunch of things. But when it's all said and done, when people think of Joe D, you're either going to be thinking about him as the guy who was married to Marilyn Monroe briefly, but a lot of people are always going to remember him for 1941, where he had the 56-game hitting streak and that was that was that was everything. Nobody has broken that to this day. Joe DiMaggio, fifty-six game hitting streak in nineteen forty-one, and I believe that was the year that Ted Williams hit four hundred six. And I think that the MVP went to DiMaggio that year because the media liked Joe D more. Ted Williams is a little bit of a of a snark, you know, a snarky kind of guy. So on this day, May fifth, nineteen thirty-six, Joe D makes his debut with the Yankees and gets three hits, and the rest is history. Solid. A lot of Yankee talk tonight. You got Pettit, you got Joe D, and who else? Donnie Baseball at number forty six rookie. I got to represent. I got to listen. I can't be that homer. I got to be. I got to be a rational broadcaster. Yeah, no, I I I agree with that. I mean, Joe D, it's like koozie. It's just the same generation playing with lawyers and doctors. All right, I had people tell. Listen, late, late, late innings here on the chumps. I had people telling me last week. Nails was talking about like he could dribble past Koozie. Like I don't know if it was 1950, he could run circles around Koozie. If it was 2020, I, yeah, of course he could because Koozie's like 93 now. What are we doing over here? We're closing it out. We got a little bit left here. <laughs> All Koozie did was go from end to end, dribbling the ball. Yeah, circles. And, he, and he and he flipped it back to Russell for for yeah. a two hand slam. It's not hard. <laughs> All right, Robert Cousy out of Holy Cross got it done for the seas. All good things here. He got one of the couple of the championships going early in that early run when they won eleven out of thirteen. Um, he's I think he was like five eleven, six feet on the dot. He was. Okay. Is, is he still? Is he still? He's alive? still with us. Yes. With us. God bless. Him. And Russell's still with us, and the rest of those guys are pretty much. God, God yeah. bless those two players. I, I, I'm, uh, yeah. Bob Cousy, listen, I'm being funny. 
no disrespect, Bob Cousy is, is a legend. Um, you know what, Michael? I'm actually going to go out on a limb, and, not on a limb, but I believe he's actually from Worcester because when the where the Red Sox moved from Pawtucket to Worcester, you had the COVID year, and then they opened that stadium last year in, in Worcester yeah, the with the Woo Sox. He was there for like him and Rich Gedman. All the Worcester people were there to throw out like the ball. I know he didn't reach Rich home Gedman. plate, but they did a little ceremony for Bob Cousy, so he's a Worcester guy. All right, that's cool. <laughs> I mean... You know, 1936 we're talking over here. All right, Joe, Jolton Joe DiMaggio. They made a great song about him, Jolton yes. Joe DiMaggio. Good stuff. Where he was married to the. Gone, he was married Joe to the. DiMaggio. Yes, exactly. He was married to the beautiful Marilyn Monroe, mm, who that, left us way before her time. That also, last too long, but that's okay. Well, what, what really does last long? Uh, me. <laughs> well, I gotta say one thing. My partnership with you lasts a lot longer than. All right. Late, late, late innings here on the Chumps, right, episode on, 46. On, on. Wheeler Warrior Spotlight. <laughs> All right, I just got some scores. I got to get back on track. I'm losing my noodle here. ELH, ELH, ELH. So the Wheeler Warrior Report, girls softball, um, they uh, they crushed Hope 24-6, although they did lose one game to Central 12-8, so they split a couple of games, but a 24-6 win was huge. Um Let's see here. Uh, boys varsity baseball, tough week. They lost 12-5 to my hometown, Johnston Panthers, and they lost they lost 10 nothing to uh, Westerly, so a couple of L's there for the baseball team. Um, boys tennis, they went over 4-3 over Hendrickson. Always nice when you beat the Hawks in uh, in varsity uh, boys tennis. And then, of course, outdoor track and field. Um, the boys beat Shea 82-5. And they beat the uh, Tiverton boys 84-31. So uh, a lot of good things happening in the spring sports in the Wheeler Warrior Report. Solid. Wheeler Warrior Spotlight brought to you by Dean the Dream. You are listening to the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM WELH Providence. You can check out all of our podcasts up on our website. Our website is thesportschumps.com. You can click on the Spotify link and all 45 episodes are up there right now. By Friday, number 46 will be up. You can also go to iHeartMedia and search the Sports Trumps. All of our episodes are up there. You can email Mike Dean at thesportschumps at gmail.com. You have five minutes left to call in. The Sports Trumps number is 401-895-9791. Moving on, we're going to talk about winning time. I have not watched it yet, so don't ask me if I have because I have not. I'm going to wait till it's all done and I'm going to just power watch it. Speaking of, you just said power watch. Yeah. I'm looking for someone to power wash my house. I have a power washer. You want to borrow it? No, because then I have to do the. I'm not looking to do the labor. I'm looking to just hire someone, well, pay house somebody. Dirty though. Nah, it's been three years. I got the like. You know when the grass gets green it. and we'll it comes do it up together. on. What? We'll do it together. No, I don't want to like. I don't want to like wing it. I want somebody that's no, qualified. I, I know I'll pay the nut. Power wash your house. It's just not hard. All right. All right. Winning time. All right. Late innings here. We're going to talk winning time. John C. Riley as J- Jerry Buss. Again, last week, I don't know what he did with the nurse, but that's a whole other thing. ELH, ELH, ELH. We love you for having us on 8 to 9 on Thursday nights. The best podcast slash show going. There's nobody better than Dream and Nails. 46 episodes in, continuing to build the brand. We're working on a banner pretty soon. You can see it on Facebook Live. Anybody but- listening to the Sports Chumps, do me a favor. If you can, if you if, if you have the ability ability to, friend re- request us. We will accept you. And if you, if you have anybody out there that has any connections to Barstool Sports, give, me, give us a hashtag. Barstool Sports, hashtag Sports Chumps. Nice. I like that. Yeah, we're building it here. Why not us? 
These teams that go on these runs in the playoffs, why not us? Well, why not Dream and Nails? That's right. We're there. Just We're there, Dr. Brother. Football on. We're there. Dr. Football, of course, thanks to him again. Great, great stuff. Breaking down the 2022 NFL draft. And, of course, we never know for a couple of years what's going to happen. But, of course, at least if the Patriot fans were listening tonight, you can be at ease a little bit. He believes that Cole Strange can come in and be a plug-and-play guy right away with the 29th pick, and he better be. The thing I don't understand about Cole Strange is one of the big topics that was on ESPN, and we talked about this, is Cole Strange can run the 40 in five seconds. All right. First of all, Nails brings up a great point. What do we care about his 40 time? The guy's six foot five, 307 pounds. As long as you can pancake and block inside, get things going. Isaiah Wynn, left tackle. He's going to be playing next to the immortal Isaiah Wynn, who's on his fifth year with the Pats. Of course, on the other side, you've got you've got Trent Brown back on a two-year deal. You've got Owenu. You've got Andrews. They're going to be okay. They're going to figure it out. Two Late minutes, winning there. time. Winning time. All right. So episode nine. God, I, I, you know, usually those HBO shows, Nails, it's like they always tell you, like, there's only two left. There's only one left. Every episode, it seems like there's no end in sight. Like, I'm just going to keep watching it until there's no more episodes. It's been renewed for season two. We're talking winning time. It's on HBO on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock on HBO. Great show. It's been renewed for season two. I don't care if you say it looked like Julius or not. The show is solid. And it does look like LB, Larry Bird from French Lick, Indiana. Great show. Winning time. I love it. And I'm sticking with it. That's a wrap. Episode 46 of the Sports Chumps. My name is Mikey Nails. And I'm Dean the Dream, and you've been listening to the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM, WELH, Providence. Thanks to Dr. Football for the football knowledge. We'll see you next week. Yeah.